And we are live on your Rehab Sports Guys Network. This is the House and Shambles podcast. I am joined by the villain, David Dillavu. What is up, boo? What's up, Ian? Man, we've been working on all this stuff all morning long. Hopefully we won't have any technical difficulties. Lord, no. Let's hope not. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so we're going to get into some Duke, North Carolina basketball, which is the heart of our uh, frenemies, as I like to call it. Uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, that, 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 that's the shambles part of the house in shambles. Yeah, like, that's what kind of started this whole thing was our hatred for each other with the Duke-North Carolina rivalry. And then he happens to be a uh, Dallas Cowboy hater, so, I mean, that just that just works hand-in-hand hand with itself, man. Yep. All right. But all things, all things said and done, that's the only two teams that we don't really agree on, so. True. We're both raised, being as we're both Razorback fans, Mavs fans, Ranger fans, it all works. Yeah, which that kind of got into what I was uh, going to get into. Uh, mm-hmm. We are going to talk about Duke, North Carolina. Uh, we are also Razorback basketball fans, so we're going to talk about last night's uh, Kentucky-Arkansas game. And then we're going to talk about uh, Arkansas football, a little bit of baseball, and then end with our Dallas Mavericks, which is probably the one team that we can agree that we love, but at the same time don't agree with the direction of the team. Well, that's all of Arkansas sports too, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Like sometimes today you were freaking – texting me like I was arguing with you and I'm like dude you're you're talking to a brick wall here sir <laughs> yeah yeah kind of make a habit of that sometimes but you know when you're like me and you're passionate about something you'll beat your head into a wall over the same stuff all over and over and over again I will, of course it's like I said I'll die on that hill <laughs> I know. Believe me, I know. Unlike you, I'm not from. I'm not. I wasn't born in the state of Arkansas, but I moved here when I was eight. I'm 28 now, so I've been here 20 plus years. So, yeah. I, I'm. If I'm not Arkansas, I don't know what the heck I am. Yeah, you you count at this point. I mean, last night. I, think, I, I mean, I think ha- if you make it a day. If you make it a decade, I think you you get yeah. service. We have this weird thing where me and you like the same colors. Like, all my teams happen to have dark blue. All your teams happen to have light blue. I mean, what is it? I mean. It's weird. That's why. That's, that's why. I it's, like Duke and the Cowboys. You like the Titans and the uh, Tar Heels, man. That color scheme, man. That's what it is. Yep. It's weird. Except da- Dallas. The Mavs are the only one. And Mavs kind of can have both. <laughs> they do kind of wear that light blue, don't they? Yeah, that the throwback light blue. Yeah. It's kind of weird. That's probably my favorite Maverick uniform to play with on uh, is that Christmas Mavs uniform back from, what, 2017? Oh, that was so sexy. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it sexy, but Jeez. yeah, okay. <laughs> I like the old school green ones too. Like the, uh, not the old green ones. Oh, yeah, I like those the green ones. Those, those Do you remember the old, the old navy ones where it's like the curvature lettering? Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that had Mavs across the front of it. Yeah, I know which ones you're talking about. Yeah, those were kind of sick too. Yeah, I was just checking to make sure we were, everything was good to go. No, I heard. I heard rumors going around that that we're wait that we want to do a rebrand, but we're waiting on dirt to leave. 
like I heard, that's what I heard. I've kept hearing, I've kept on hearing it that that we're that we were thinking of doing a rebrand, but we're gonna wait till dirt's gone. That is not that all surprising. It's really not. I mean, we're due. I mean, we've kept the same everything for a while now. I mean, I wish we had one though. We rebranded once before. We might as well do it now. I mean, I don't know how much rebranding I want to do. I mean, maybe a new, not like super color difference or anything like that. Honestly, uh, honestly though, I've thought about it. Why not go then just be like, and then the Rangers have even thought about doing it too. I wish we would all, all the teams in Dallas would just wear, wear the same color. I actually agree with you here. Uh, how about we table this for when we get into the Mavericks talk later? Yeah. And I want to jump right into, because Duke played last night is really why. And we haven't talked about the Duke North Carolina game on audio because we've been kind of busy, crazy life and everything. Uh, but uh -huh. I was very, very upset last, what was that, last Wednesday? Yeah, uh -huh. a week ago today. I was a little upset. Yeah, just a little. But I can be... Uh, also tell you the truth, like, without Zion Williamson, Duke has nothing inside. They might have Bolden, they might have, uh, oh, what is it, Delorier, is that how you say him? Top of my head? I can't remember. But anyways, I think so, yeah. I mean, they both struggle, have struggled the last three games, really. Not even just that North Carolina game. The other two, the Syracuse game and the, uh, Definitely Virginia Tech game. They got owned in the paint in the Virginia Tech game. And that was the thing in the North Carolina game is I have the stat right here, man. 38 points difference between uh, Duke and North Carolina. I, not in the paint, but inside the three-point line. Duke outscored them by 18 at three-point line, but when you get outscored by 38 in the paint, painted area, or even outside the painted area, it's, it's a big... Uh, hill to climb, and North Carolina killed Duke on the boards. Yep. And then when Duke wasn't getting their offensive rebounds, North Carolina was doing what they do, and that's get out in the open court. And that team's a lot of fun to watch, even as a Duke fan. It's like, man, that team's fun to watch, but, oh, I hate them. are live on the Rehab Sports Guys Network, either, hold on, and if you are, thanks, my phone's right playing, thanks for listening, if you were listening back to the podcast, this is House and Shambles with Ian and David, and yes, we, sir. yeah, we just got done talking about 
Duke, North Carolina. And now we move on to another love of ours, Arkansas Razorbacks basketball. And last Whoa. night, <laughs> the Arkansas Razorbacks played the Kentucky Wildcats. Turned the game on, told my wife and daughter, said, nah, I'm only going to watch about 10 minutes of this. It'll be a blowout. About 10 minutes in, I'm like, okay, maybe I was wrong about this game. So I got drug in. And, you know, Arkansas's got to do what Arkansas does. They got to they gotta bring you in just to let you down. Oh, it's Arkansas basketball, man. It's Arkansas sports in general, bro. True. Cannot deny that one. But the, the apathy for Arkansas basketball is blatant, apparent, and sickening, honestly. It's like I told you earlier today. Whenever we were talking, it's just like I don't even like. I'm not. I'm. Fr I get frustrated, but it's not even mad frustration. It's just like apathetic frustration. Like I don't even. I'm to the point. I've never gotten to a point with an Arkansas program where I just flat out don't care. Yeah, you did. No, I did. Last year, I, did. I mean, I still got mad about some of those games. I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I wasn't on the bandwagon of, all right, I hope we lose and suck. Like, I wasn't one of them. That drives me up the wall. Like, you're to the point where you're like, all right, if we lose, we lose. If we win, we win. Whatever. You're, That's you're, where I am. Yeah. You're not to the, like, all right, I hope these guys suck so we can fire the Like, that's just not being a fan. That's just hoping for players to get. That I can't do that. I can't do that. Now, if. We have a decent season, and they let Mike Anderson go. I'm cool with that, but I'm still going to be rooting for the team regardless. And it's not not, and, and it, I've made it clear. I mean, I want Mike gone, but at the same time, it's not a knock on Mike as the man. It's just Mike, the coach, isn't getting the job done. Mike, the Mike as a Mike as a man is a great person, a fantastic role model for for your players. From a per, per from a personal standpoint, but whenever it comes down to your job to the job that he's got to do, he's not getting it done. And I would have to agree with you. And any fan that does not agree with you has to look in the mirror as what you want out of a basketball program. And I've said in the past, like, hey, at least he's and you know I have about at least he's not. Uh, What's the word I'll, I use? As bad as the, we were before after Nolan. Like, we were bad. But but are we, but look at this team this year. Are we, though? I'd rather you, watch I mean, this team than the, some of you, those teams. I'm just saying, you look at this team, this, this team that we have this year, and you look at the Pelfrey teams, and the, not the Heath teams, but the Pelfrey teams. What's the difference? And this, and, and, and you've got this, and I think, and the thing about it for me is, you've got this problem in year eight. You can't have that. Like, this is the type of problem you, you can get away with whenever you're in like year three or four. But this is where we disagree. It, the year doesn't matter. If you're going to, it fire, does matter. No, no it doesn't. Because when, you're going to fire a coach if things aren't going the way they need to go in year two versus year – it doesn't matter. Like, if you see a something that you don't like, you, you get rid of the coach. Like, just because it's year eight, you're like, oh, well, if you think in year two, it's okay to go to a sweet 16. But it's different. It's different because of I – mean, let me tell you, it's different because – Especially considering the the absolute dumpster fire that he came into after two back to back really bad coaching hires, I gave I gave him time. I gave him up to year five, and he was okay. He never did nothing great. He was he, he was never anything more than just kinda good. I mean, 
it's been the same. I mean, we're seeing the same things now from him that we that we saw in year one. I mean, nothing's changed. He hasn't evolved. He hasn't gotten rid of his of his assistants. Like the only assistants that aren't there anymore are the ones that left and took other jobs. I mean, I mean, he he, he refuses. Like he refuses to embrace a difference. Like he will not change his coaching style. He will not change the coaches on the on the that are underneath of him. I mean, I mean, what are you gonna do? You know, you got to do something. When it's not going right, and you see you're not, and you're not taking the next step, you got to do something. I agree. Should should some of the coaches be let go? Absolutely. So I all have a of question. the I have all a of these assistant coaches should have been gone a long time ago. My biggest problem with Mike is it seems like times, even back when we had oh my God Madden and uh, Qualls Qualls athletic ability bailed us out a lot. This is why Qualls mm-hmm. is one of my favorite hogs of all time. So was Portis. Because Madden would do dumb stuff. Like the Kentucky, the last time we beat Kentucky yeah, was Madden did something completely dumb and tried to draw a foul, James Harden-like, and didn't get it mm-hmm. called and just flung the ball up. Luckily, uh, I think on the either on the play it was Bobby Portis. No, it wasn't Bobby. It was, uh, it was Qualls. It was Qualls. Jumped up. No, the game I was thinking of wasn't against Kentucky. But, yeah, he shoots, what, like a step back three or something and air balls. Yeah. And luckily. Uh, no, it can't. He bricked it. Yeah, it hit the and, rim. And Qualls, and, came, and Qualls came flying in off of, a, off of a missed box out and dunked it for the win. Yeah, there were two separate games that Madden got saved in the final seconds because of the athletic ability of Bobby Portis and. Uh, yeah, you're talking about, the, I think, the layup, the layup that Portis made. Yeah, I don't even remember who that was against. Maybe LSU. I don't I don't know off the top of my head. But it's it's just one of those things that I think, and I've told you this in the past, Mike's been bailed out by three, four elite guys. And he got bailed out by Dusty, Dusty Jalen and, and Daryl last time. Yeah, and then you have uh, the Portis and Qualls, who just happen to be Arkansas kids, uh, and now yep. Gafford's in Arkansas. Qualls kid. wasn't. No, no, no. Qualls wasn't. Qualls was from Louisiana. Okay. That's saying correct. Dusty was. But Dusty Bobby was, was. Bobby was. Bobby's a Little Rock kid. Bobby was, and Dusty was. But I will. Dusty was from, I will give, Dusty was from Little Rock, too, I think. I will give Mike a pass on the kid that plays at uh, Mississippi State. He was coming to Arkansas. He just didn't want to come if Gafford was staying. Mm, the bag man got him. The I, Mississippi State, the Mississippi State bag man got him. I disagree. I think if I really honestly believe if Gafford goes to the NBA, he comes to Arkansas. He, if you look at the timeline, he didn't choose Mississippi State until after Gafford said that he was coming back to school. I mean, I could maybe see it, but um, it, it it was shady, man. It, it, it just, man, it, you've it been just like cr- this ever since Dor- uh, Duke started getting the the, uh, the one and done. You've been you always claim that it's about the money. Sometimes it's not, man. Mississippi State, you ain't paying nobody to come play basketball there. Football, all right, I'll, I'll see it. I'll uh, see it. Basketball at Mississippi State? When, or when was the last time Mississippi State was good in basketball? Exactly. Why are they paying to be good if they're not good? Kentucky, okay, I see it. They're good all the time. Kansas, yeah. Duke, maybe. North Carolina, maybe. Like, those are the big-time uh, schools. That's why That's why you see, like, to take, like, look at Ole Miss in football at the jump that they made. If I'm in college, I'm not taking money to lose. I'm taking money if I'm going to get noticed. Well, if you get enough, if you pay enough money to enough players, you're eventually going to be good. Look at Ole Miss. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that he did, but I'm saying it was shady. I see you shady, but I, I disagree. I strongly disagree with you there. But it, it, let me just say, I don't think that. <laughs> I think that we have 
some players on this team that could be very good players, but they just are so poorly coached. Like, like Gabe Osaboyan, for example, like, there's absolutely no point in him ever, ever shooting the ball, ever. Like, whoa, 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 I can't hear you. I can, I can barely hear you. Oh, no, I was listening to make sure that the stream was still good. That's okay. all I was doing. Okay, I, you sounded far away for a second. I was like, whoa, whoa. I don't know, it was just the audio sounded far away, but, I mean... Last night, Gafford, Seals, and uh, Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe Ball. They had what? 50, yeah. I want to say 51 of the 66 points or something crazy like that. And people keep saying that Gafford needs to come back. Why on earth would he even think about it? Like, his stock has declined big time this year. Like, why would he come back and do lose even more stock? That would be insane. Just my take. I agree. Uh, I think at times people mistake Gafford's ability because he doesn't have – he's not a legit post game. He has a, a good post game. He has a good one. He just – this Mike just doesn't know how to use traditional big man. He just doesn't know how to do it. I don't know if it's all Mike. It's just when you've got shooters that are – how many? When was the last time you saw a Mike Anderson team with a traditional big man that succeeded? We haven't had a traditional big man. Bobby's not one. Exactly. Bobby. He can't coach him. He can't recruit him. He he can't. He doesn't can't recruit him. He just doesn't recruit him. It's not the style. Gafford was a stretch playing in this system. When you get up and down. Now, if you want to tell me the system's a problem, I'm going to follow you there. But if you try and tell me you can't recruit big men, I'm going to tell you that's not what he recruits. It's not the style, bro. It's not the NBA where you just, depending on your players, you change your system. Like, you recruit to a system in college basketball. I mean, I'm just to the point with the guy. I, I... I just can't. They could go win a national championship. You'd probably still want Mike Anderson fired. Cricket. Because <laughs> it's true. But I will say this. I was full out on the not fire Mike Anderson. I'm still not fully on it. It's like, let me see the season play out. If it goes the way I know it's going to go, let him go at the end of the season. He he at least deserves the right not to get fired in the middle of the season. I think he does. Even after losing to Missouri and A&M? But you beat LSU on the road. Should have beat Kentucky on the road. Like, if this team, if they play consistently, has shown flashes of being a really good basketball team. I mean, like I was saying, they, we have, it's not like the, the team itself is – just absolute trash. It's just like, and and I hate, I hate, 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 hate the, the excuse that people use. Oh, we're so young. Oh, we're so young. Uh, I'm not using yeah, that one. Yeah, we're young. Sure, sure, sure. But how many other teams are really young too? If you listen and to the, if you listen, sorry to cut you off, but if you listen to the broadcast last night. I don't know if you did or not, but there was countless, countless times that uh, Jimmy Dykes, the former uh, girls basketball coach at Arkansas, was uh-huh. ranting and raving about two players. Tyler Hero, who balled, that's probably the issue here. And uh-huh. Isaiah Joe had being probably two of the ten best freshman shooters in the country. Uh-huh. And Isaiah, that's the thing with Arkansas. They've got so many shooters that – when they're on, Arkansas can beat anybody in the country. Like uh, to me, we have a good, a solid group of guys with like Isaiah Joe. He's a he's for real. Uh, and I'm talking about for like next year. I'm not talking about this year, really. It's I'm talking like after Gafford leaves. Um, like Isaiah Joe, Desi Seals, Keyshawn Embry, they're all pretty good. But the rest of them, 
after that, it's just like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I get maybe, uh, oh, I lost his name. Uh, plays forward. Talking about, uh, crap. Chaney. Chaney. Chaney played well last night, though. Chaney can be solid, too. Like, Chaney, Seals, Joe, and, uh, yeah, them. Like, th- those guys will be solid. And Keyshawn Embry. I was, Embry Simpson or whatever. I, the crazy thing about this whole situation is everything would be completely different today if one thing happens. If Arkansas would have – they did later after Mike told them, but, like, in-game, sometimes these players just got to realize this dude, Hero, can shoot. And while you're helping on a drive off Tyler Hero – I'd rather them make a layup 100 times out of 100 than let Tyler Hero stand out there and shoot threes wide open. Yeah. They did it two or three times in the half court, countless times in the open floor on a fast break where he was just left wide open running to the three-point line. It's like, man, you got to start treating this kid like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Like That's coaching. That's just coaching, man. Like – Eventually, you have to get on your players and be like, "Look, you've got to, you've got to play better defense on this guy." Like, and then you see the things, things you see on offense with our guys, or like Gabe Osaboy and 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 Jalen Harris and Jalen Harris. Like, whenever they they should never, ever, 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 ever be taking outside shots ever, and then. You know, you see most coaches, whenever players do stupid stuff like that that don't need to be taking those shots, they pull them, they, they pull them out the game and talk to them, sit them on the bench, and then they come back in. You never see that with Mike Anderson. Never. You never, ever, ever see him do that. Um, <laughs> you're speaking facts when it comes to that. But, I mean, it's true. I know. But... We're. I still want to stay on this game. Like, it, Arkansas should have won this game. Like, yes, we were up 15 points in that game. There's absolutely no excuse for blowing. I don't care how good Kentucky is, and I don't care you're on the road. You have a 15 point lead. You should win the game. I agree. And you can't go on a 20 what 24 to six run in like uh, a 10 minute span. But that being said, they responded well from that and basically played heads up with Kentucky the final eight minutes of the game. But it shouldn't have been that close. I agree, and it comes down to guarding Tyler Hero. Yeah. Because he had 29 under 70 points. Yeah. But the dude didn't miss but one shot. Well, when you can shoot, you can shoot, man. I mean... If you're not gonna get defended, you gotta keep shooting. It, it's just, it's frustrating. But at the same time, those final two minutes, the referees blew a bunch of crap. I'm not one to blame the game on the referees, but it played a factor in it. I mean, I will to an extent, but it's just like the fact that I see it so much from Arkansas fans, where, where it's like all oh, the refs this, all the refs that, all the refs. It's like, come on, man. Eventually, you've got to put blame on the people that deserve blame. Like, put the blame on the players that blew the lead. Like, put the blame on the coaches that, that didn't coach these guys and, and stop the bleeding. Like, you got to stop blaming everybody else for, the team, for this team's problems. Like, going after the fan base. Like, going after the freaking referees. Like, it's got to stop. Like... People have to stop making excuses for these guys and living in fairy tale land. Like, it's almost like what a lot of the fan base is. It's like they're in fairy tale land and they're afraid to criticize anybody. I agree. I mean, it can be that way, but at the same time, there's some crazy fans out there that get a little carried away with that stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. There's all. There's gonna be the crazy ones, but. Just because somebody speaks out does not make them a bad fan. Let me put that out there. This whole this whole rhetoric of 
if you call out a player or if you call out coaches, you're not a true fan. That's the biggest bunch of bull crap that I've ever heard. I agree and disagree with that statement. The fact that people get on Twitter and like at players and then at recruits and then at recruit or at players' moms and that like that's excessive. Yeah, now that's crossing a line. Like crossing when you involve the families, that's crossing a line. Like that, that that's that's too far. But as we bring social media into this, I think at the same time during the season, the players need to stay off social media. Just here's my thing. Here's my thing. It's fair game to Adam and criticize them about how they played, but not to like threaten them and stuff like that. That's too far. Uh, I just don't even want to Adam. Like, what's the point? I feel the same way about like professional athletes. Like, boy, I guess it really doesn't matter. Honestly, people are gonna do whatever they do. It's just not me. That's not what I, I, I just, do. And then, and then, and then you got not current players, but former players and stuff. It's like going attacking the fan base. Like, come on, dude. But what do you come expect, on. though? Like, he's gonna always take up for the fellow athlete. Well, who are the ones paying to see this for, for fellow athletes that you're criticizing? Like, gotta you gotta know. You gotta know where so, you stand, man. Like, just because fans pay money, they can say whatever they want. No, that's what you're getting at. I'm just saying that you can't criticize the fan base that that is paying to come watch you play and sit there and talk shit about us. Like, so why? So why do you get to come to the games and talk crap about the players? To me, it's just, it's not it's 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 not a fair trade off. Like we're sitting here spending our time and and effort to see you not try and give effort. Like, now I get you if you're mad about them not giving effort. I think these dudes played their hearts out. They just made some mistakes. And this, here's my thing with this team. It's not a it's not a player problem at this point. It's a coaching problem at this point. Now, if you were talking about... Because we have the players to be at least a decent team this year. For the most part. We have we have a handful of guys that could have won us some more games. Like, we're not that great of a like, roster-wise, but we're good enough. I'll give you something that's not even coaching. There's some games that if they make some freaking shots and they shoot a higher percentage... Coaching doesn't matter. They win those games. Like, the Kentucky yeah. game, if anybody else besides uh, Isaiah Joe and Seals make any kind of three-pointers or, or even defends Tyler Hero a little bit better, Arkansas wins that game ten times yeah. out of the hundred or ten times out of ten every time. And another thing that's just – demonized us all year long is the fact, like I've been saying, one is the f fact that we have players that take shots that they have no no reason to be taking. Like yeah. guys like Jalen Harris shooting from outside, Jay Bossavoy and shooting, like those guys don't need to be taking shots. Jalen Harris just needs to not needs to, he's kind of too late for that now, but needed to figure out this year that he isn't an offensive threat. He's not a shooter. He's a passer. Yeah, I agree. I'll agree with you there. He should have figured out a long time ago that he shouldn't be trying to shoot. He should be facilitating, the, being a facilitator and getting the ball to guys like Gafford and Isaiah Joe. Embry, okay, Keyshawn Embry can actually shoot a little bit. So he can he gets a pass. Isn't Isaiah Joe gets a pass. Isn't that the one that was balling the LSU game and then got hurt? Who, Embry? Yeah. Mm, I think, maybe. I'd have to go look again, but I think. Number 11, right? He's the, well, the guy with the hyphenated name. We got like one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That did. 
Yeah, he was making three, several threes in a row in the LSU game, and then was on defense and got that jumped up together and got shoved oh. and fell. Here's another one I forgot about, Mason Jones. Now he's another one that should be a, a absolutely one hundred percent given a green light to shoot. And I mean, he does, but at the same time, him being older than some of the other guys, he feels like he needs to facilitate a lot because, especially when Jay, uh, Harris isn't in the game, he takes the almost like a plays point guard because he ends up with the ball in his hands a lot. Because we really don't, we really basically run a three guard lineup. Where you only have really one true point guard, and if he's not in the game, you don't have a point guard. Because here's my thing. I feel like if we're going to run a starting lineup out with, like, Harris and Isaiah Joe and uh, Mason Jones, Mason Jones is basically playing small forward, technically speaking. It's basically Harris Harris at point guard, Joe at two guard, uh, Mason Jones playing three. Uh, whoever playing it, Gafford playing center basically, and then you got whoever they put in there for whatever game playing power forward. I, I think they, it, I think it's more. Uh, you say it's a small forward in this lineup. In this style, it's more of a you run a one, two, two, four, five. Basically, you don't really have a three. It's four. He Mason Jones is a better shooting version of what Michael Qualls played. Because Qualls was basically a two guard that played the three. Yeah. Would you Would you agree? Yeah, he was just so athletic he could. And then with Madden, yeah. Madden's length, yeah. it it helped a lot. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But here's the, the the thing with this team for me that I saw a long time ago was Jalen Harris should have just been a facilitator, played the Ricky Rubio type role, and or not even Ricky Rubio should have played the Lonzo type role, where he's just passing the ball and not making making mistakes that cost us the game, not taking not taking shots. Like he should be a drive and kick layup type player. Yes, absolutely. And when he does that at times, like he did later in the game, it got people like Mason Jones open shots. Yes, like just drive and dish to Mason Jones, Isaiah Joe, and get the ball inside to Gafford. Like it's not that hard, But I I will say this, Isaiah Joe, I don't know what happened, I don't remember, but Isaiah Joe ended up with the ball late with 22 seconds left. They're down, I want to say four or five. He's five, and he just stands there half court waiting for a screen. It's like you need to go. Yeah, and I look freshman, up, freshman mistake. I, yeah, I look like, up I, and Mike Anderson's jumping up and down. The whole bench is jumping up and down, like yelling him to run. And he's just sitting there waiting for Mason Jones to set a screen. Luckily, he ends up, I think, missing a layup or something, and then getting it back out to Jones, who bailed him out. I've said it on Twitter. I. Failed him out, basically, by knocking down a three. Because if he misses that three, the game's over right there. Arkansas loses by a five. And there's no question about the referees later. So, I like me. Like, I like like Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones. Like, they're they're nice little players, man. That lineup that finished the game, I told you, I really like that lineup. Going small against Kentucky. Who who was it? Who was was it? Like, I didn't get to watch uh, it. Harris. Mason Jones, Isaiah Joe, and Seals all on the floor. It spread the floor, let Gafford play in the middle. It so basically four guards? Basically played four guards, stretched, stretched Kentucky out. They couldn't double Gafford, so anytime Gafford got the ball, it was one-on-one and he could score. Hmm. It's just a lot of times they ended up just saying, we're going to let another you thing three. That, another thing to think about next year, we got Justice Hill playing point guard. True. I'm excited to see that. So that's kind of why I'm like, you know what? If they can get sneak in the tournament somehow, some way. That's not happening. <laughs> I, I, I agree. But I'm just saying, if they do, I uh, I would just love to see Justice. But then you better have a big coming in because Gafford's leaving. Yeah. So, but we've beaten the, beaten the drum with these Razorbacks basketball from last night against Kentucky. Uh 
we will be back and talk Arkansas football, Arkansas baseball, and then finish up with the Mavs. And we are live on the Rehab Sports Guys Network. You are listening to the House and Shambles podcast. We are live on Twitter, so if you ever want to listen back, you can either watch it on our Periscope, watch it on Twitter, or you can go to the Rehab Sports Guys website, which is on the at Rehab Sports Guys page. Click that website, go there, listen to all the old podcasts, check out our bios. We'll eventually have some writings up. We don't have anything right now, but we will. Don't worry, we will have something up soon, I promise. Welcome in. We're talking about the Arkansas Razorbacks football team, and we'll touch base with where the Razorbacks baseball team is right now in their season. They're in their this is going into the third weekend of the baseball season. What is up, David? What's up, my brother? Man, just uh you know, I did <clears throat> just doing a little search before we came back on live and uh I saw that the baseball team was up one nothing, so that's a quick header before we even start touching on it really. Awesome. That's great. But yeah, about football, where you want to start, homie? Uh, I think the big news from the last couple, last week or so, really, since we talked, was uh, someone that we both were kind of high on, and uh, T.J. Hammonds is basically not on the football team. Yeah, I, I, I fully expect him to be done. I, I really do. Like, there's something going on there that that people don't really know about that hasn't really came out, in my opinion. Like, like, I'm, he probably has some injuries, but there's something tells me there's more to it than just that. So, do you think it's more like personal reasons, uh, action reasons, injuries? I think, that's maybe I think it's actions. I think it's actions, and I think it's injuries. And that's being honest, what I was thinking with. Because he's not really that big of a guy either. So, I mean, he's probably – he probably got injured a whole lot worse than people thought he did, especially being his size. And I guess Coach Morris respects him enough that he kind of hasn't come out put and his said anything. He just don't want to put his business out there like that, which I can respect that. kind of wish they would have done that with the two dudes that got suspended last year. I mean, different teams handle, or different coaches handle things a different way, you know? It's the same coach. Well, I mean, different situations call for different actions, I mean. Okay, I agree with you there. I mean, some things you kind of, you kind of, you know, whenever something like that happens, you kind of just got to call it for what it is and just shake them and try to wake them up. And so be like, you cannot do that. I agree. I agree with that 100%. And it's it's been, I mean, if it's if it's football related, like if it if it's something that was on the field. Yes, if it's off the field, then you're talking about a completely different situation. Yes, that's 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 venturing off into personal, and you don't you don't as a coach, that's a bad look to. As a coach, that's a bad, bad look to, to spill your player's personal business. Absolutely. I agree with you 100% on that fact. But, you know, <clears throat> it's not all – I mean, it, it, I mean, for what it was last year, it was a rebuild, man. We were year one with a team full of players that either didn't buy into his system, didn't fit the system, or, and then there was the ones that did. There were they were few and far between. Yeah, and I think that's where what caused the greatest uh, divide in the uh, program is the fact that uh, a lot of the players kind of quit. Like a lot of or gave up. Not a lot of them. Just some, there was a small few. I'll say a small few. Now, people like Dre Greenlaw, no. He was full in, bled, uh, everything. I'm one of my favorite Razorbacks. But there were some that kind of were just like, you know what, I'm here for me. 
I don't care what yeah. he has to say. And you could tell, you could kind of tell the ones that were there just because they were there before and they weren't going to leave because they knew they weren't going to be able to be anywhere better. Wasn't no point. I mean, at that point in time, like there to me, I'm not going to name names, but there's still certain players on the team right now that I feel like are just there because they know that if they left, they would never see the field again. Yeah, but. Uh, there is huge news that kind of came on top of the TJ Hammonds leaving, and that is that Justice Hill, who is actually on campus right now practicing with the basketball team because he's going to take a red shirt in basketball, is talking Absolutely. about coming out to uh, spring football and trying out for the team. And then Coach Morris has said he can basically play any position he feels comfortable and that we feel him comfortable putting in, him in it. And they're like, I know it won't happen, but he was like, cornerback, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, whatever, whatever he wants to do, punt return, whatever. He's just an athlete. We need him out here. Absolutely. And I don't like him at quarterback. I mean, I'll take any quarterback depth we can have, bringing in. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily like him as a quarterback either. Like, I, I like him more as a running back and slot receiver. Because we talked about. Yeah. We talked about that last night. Good thing is he'll he'll be a freshman, already have classes under his belt, so he's already got the student part of being a student athlete out of the way. And that's some of the biggest problem with some of these players is they don't know how to be a student first. Yeah. And that's why sometimes some of the best student athletes end up being the ones that come in the at Christmas time the year before their freshman year. Because before the football season starts, they've already got classes under their belt. They've already taken summer school. They've already done all this stuff before they ever after actually be a football player. Yeah. I can agree with that. And so that's kind of what Justice Hill has going for him here. So I'm excited to see him. I hear his dad on the radio all the time. So, like, I'm always yeah. I'm a big fan. So – and they've been kind of flirting with this idea, just they haven't sat down with, had a chance to sit down with Coach Morris and talk it out. And I'm excited. He could be mm -hmm. a game changer, like you said, at the wide receiver slot and slash mm -hmm. running back position. Running that, he's super athletic. As a quarterback, he's a little undersized, but he's a super athlete. I mean, he's the same size as Kyler. I still think Kyler's undersized. Yes, he is. But I was just saying he was the same size as Kyler. But he's also a freak athlete like Kyler is, too. Not to the same extent, but, but he is very athletic. Yeah. Kyler was just an animal, dude. Like, I don't know what it was, but he just had that thing. But, and, I'm not and I'm not taking anything away from Justice Hill at all. I agree, like, though. He, he, he stands alone as a very good athlete himself, but... That's a, just a different athlete. Like, I know. I just felt like arguing. I agree. I agree. Yeah, Kyler's way better athlete, but as far as like stylistically, they're both great athletes. Yeah, I think he. I I I, I, I was hoping that he would play football. I really, really was because he did a phenomenal job at. at and he won a state title this year. Yeah. I mean, he beat two of his former teammates. Or he, he yeah. beat two of his future teammates. I'm sorry. Yeah. He beat, I mean, the dude had the best tight end in the country and one of the best wide receivers in the state all on the same team. They were putting up stupid numbers, and he beat them. Well, his team beat them, but still. Yeah. He threw like 37 touchdowns and four interceptions with 71% completion percentage. Yeah. But there's a whole lot of difference between 5A football and SEC, especially whenever you're with our offensive line being like it is. I would not want him back there. He would get murdered. I agree. He would get absolutely murdered, and then, then that screws him and us in basketball, too. So, 
we kind of, I mean, I, I know that you run a risk playing both anyway, but I don't see the point of him playing quarterback and really, really, really risking it. Speaking of quarterbacks, why don't you go in and talk a little bit about uh, Ben Hicks and maybe getting Starkle and how yeah. all that'll work, and I've got to take a quick call, and you kind of talk about it for a minute. Yeah, I, I think, in my personal opinion, that Ben Hicks, at the time that we picked him up, was a very good a very good pickup for us in that he was better than what we had, and he had his leadership. He knew the system. He knows what to do under Chad, and that, that, that's a that's a very that's a very big thing right now for us is to have somebody that knows what they're talking about and that knows the verbiage and knows the plays, knows the play calls, all that kind of stuff right there is very, very big for the program. But with that said, getting somebody like Nick Starkle from Texas A&M with big game experience and has proven himself worthy in the SEC, that could be a, a big time get even more so where we could have a good number one quarterback and we could have a solidified backup. All in all, thinking on it, man, like, I really, I, I really think that Nick Starkle is going to end up with the job if he gets, if, if we get him, I think he gets the job, and I think Ben Hicks will get the second string job, which is good for KJ Jefferson. In all honesty, this is the best situation for KJ Jefferson, and probably for for uh, Starkle because with us he would start with with uh, Starkle starting he would get two years and then that would give KJ Jefferson time to redshirt and learn the program learn the plays learn the system and all that stuff and yeah I, I really I really like that fit to be honest with you, I really, really like that fit. But um, expectations-wise, I think if we get somebody like Starkle and our offensive line has any kind of improvement, then we could see seven wins. If we get Starkle with no offensive line improvement, it's going to be probably five wins this year. And Ben Hicks, same thing. If we don't get Starkle and Ben Hicks is the starter, I could see six wins with the improved line. If we get Ben Hicks with no Starkle and a bad offensive line, it's probably going to be not much better than it was last year. All right. All good points. So you're thinking Nick Stark was going to be at Ben Hicks. Is that what you're saying? Yes. KJ would be third string. I'm not oh, yeah. against that. My honest opinion is they're both grad transfers, right? They are, but Hicks would be a one-and-done guy. Starkle, yeah. if we got him, he has two years. I think if they're even – They'll give it to Ben Hicks because they have uh, a history with him. Year. Say what? And, and they have Starkle for another year. And they have Starkle for another year. I just, I mean, we, me and you have looked at the old SMU holiday. If he can be anywhere near any of that with this talent at wide receiver and possibly tight end with Harold moving to tight end, I really think Hicks is your guy. And don't forget too, we have CJ, uh, not CJ, yeah, CJ O'Grady playing 
uh, tight end too. So, so that gives us two big tight ends. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, and O'Grady showed a lot of talent last, the last what month of the season. Yes, the last six games of the season, or maybe the last eight games of the season, he really, he really, really showed up. And you remember, if you remember with C.J. O'Grady, he was having issues going on where, like, like motivational-type issues. And then I don't remember who it was. I want to say it was Scuda. I want to say that's who it was that called him out. And he's like, he's like, man, like, we need you here. Yeah, bro. you're too like, good to be worrying about stuff like this. It's like, you're good, dude. Like, just like focus, man. Like show up. Like don't slack. Like quit slacking. Like you're good. Like we need you here. Oh yeah. I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember that conversation. Or maybe, it, or it, maybe, it, maybe it was him. Maybe it was Sosa. It was either him or Sosa. I think that's possible. I mean, I, I just don't remember exactly who. It was one of the two of them. I mean, I know that much. But, yeah, that that was a big thing for him to have, to know even through all of his motivational struggles and, you know, um, focus. He didn't have very much focus at the time. He really didn't. And I think whichever one of them it was that shook him and woke him up deserves to be commended because – they were the ones that were finally got to him. He's like, wake up. Okay, it's time to go. Because he was, I think he's one of very few tight ends to ever have two touchdowns in the same half against a uh, Nick Saban-led Alabama Crimson Tide defense. So that in itself just tells you how good he can be, and that's with who he had at quarterback and playing offensive line. And so if you're better in those two positions that – We've been told we're going to be better at because I do like Coach Fry. I absolutely love Coach Craddock. I love what they're doing with the quarterback room. So I think both of those position groups will be 100% better than they were last year. I completely believe in Coach Morris. So at the same time, we've got to be patient. And I think you said it. I don't remember exact numbers. But four to five to six wins, I'm okay with that. If you win all your non-conference and sneak out a couple in the conference, it's like, okay, we're going in the right direction. But we've got to be competitive. I don't want to go out there and get our butts kicked by four or five touchdowns by some of the cream of the crop. If you play like you do against LSU, against several of the big powers, I'm okay with only winning two or three SEC games. It's just you can't get embarrassed and still only have one or two SEC game wins. That's not a good look. Yeah, I don't. I think it, it, it's a, it's a big thing to me where if our offensive line doesn't show itself to be better than it was last year, it's not going to matter who the quarterback is because it's not really going to be much different. And you're making points that I've always said. If you yeah. don't have an offensive line, you could have three Heisman trophies in your backfield. It doesn't matter. Sure. And we have, what, like four or five receivers coming in that are three, four, five, three or four stars. You got a basically a five star tight end coming in. You got uh, O'Grady. You've got, uh, I said his name, moving from uh, wide receiver tight end. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, we had we had another player uh, change positions too. Oh, one one from what cornerback to running back? Yeah, Jordan Curtis. Jordan Curtis. Jordan Curtis. Went from that's right. Cornerback to running back, and he played running back in high school. Yeah. So he didn't really change position. He just kind of played probably what both in high school, and then chose cornerback in college. And then they were asking him because of transfers and the fact that. Uh, our starting running back is out right now due to injury or nursing an off-season injury. 
that you really need the depth right now. Is that yeah? Yes. That's the big. That's another thing for me. Like the, with the whole quarterback thing with Starkle and Ben Hicks. Either way it goes, we win because we have better depth. We would have better depth at quarterback this year than we had probably in the last four or five years. Yeah. Like you would have Starkle, that's Hicks, Jefferson, uh, John Stevens. Yeah. Like, I'd, but with all, this, with all this depth, I think Nolan decides it's time to just play baseball. Yeah, he should. Just, I mean, especially depending on what Justice Hill decides to do. Yeah, I think – I've said it from a get-go. I, I never saw Connor Nolan being the starting quarterback at Arkansas for, like, the future like maybe last year whenever we were struggling to find somebody yeah but he was there for depth term, same yeah. with john stephen jones we needed depth and that's the thing when you're playing in a conference like the southeastern conference with this much talent you might have good starters but if you don't have good backups if somebody gets hurt you're gone that was the problem with our linebacking crew is they up until Chavis they played so much time if any of them got hurt our defense suffered tremendously yeah like I the, the, the biggest thing for us last year was we kind of coincidentally hurt ourselves on the different sides of the ball because the fact that our offense couldn't stay on the field coincidentally ended up hurting our defense because the offense couldn't stay on the field. <laughs> True. Like, I feel like last year our defense got a really, really, really bad rap for the simple fact that our offense just didn't help them out. And you run into that a lot where statistically, like, what game was that? The Auburn game. The off defense played off great. They played awesome. The offense just kept giving the ball back to Auburn at short fields, block punts, uh, basically three and outs all game long. Eventually, your defense is going to break. They didn't give up a lot of yards. They gave up a lot of points because it was a short field. They won the field position. And if you don't have a good enough offense to flip that or a punter to flip that field position, you're fighting an uphill battle and it doesn't matter how good your defense is. If you can't run the ball and have a good punter in those type of games, you're going to lose badly, even though statistically it might not look that bad. Right. Because they didn't beat us that bad statistically. It was just they didn't have to go very far to score. That's that, the one that <laughs> – the uh, Alabama games, the one I just keep coming back to. Like, I don't understand how we were able to score like that against Alabama but not able to do it against everybody else. The craziest dang thing. I don't know. I, I, styles, maybe. I think that might just be – that's a good look going forward. We were able to score, but we couldn't stop them. No, we couldn't. <laughs> we couldn't stop we, them. They scored 30-something, but gave but up 60 But they probably were a top-five offense in the country, so let's pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, yeah. I'm not – I mean, Bama's still Bama, but I'm just saying, like – So. The fact that we didn't have a scrambling quarterback – we basically had a pocket quarterback that yeah. did that to Alabama, and they're historically good against those types. It's just, like, really odd. Yeah. So I'm running short on time. Got to go get the daughter. Uh, yeah. So wrap this up real quick. The Arkansas Razorback baseball team is currently playing. They are 5-1. and one. Their only losses at uh, USC last Sunday. So that's crazy. They – Go out and take two from SC. Absolutely. So that, that's going to that, be – and I'll say it now. That's going to come up big come tournament time. Yeah, also what came up big tournament time is uh, in the bottom of the ninth against their first Sunday opponent, they ended up squeaking out a nice 3-2 victory with the freshman getting the winning run. 
got a got on first with a, a single. They bunted him over, and then uh, they no no they didn't bunt him over. Yeah, they did. They bunted him over, and then they walked uh oh what's his name? Just lead off. I want brain dead. You know what I'm talking about, Casey Martin. Oh, okay, yeah. And then Kerstad, I'm with, they walk him. It's pick your poison with those two. That's a brutal one too, right there. Kerstad's actually started out really slow this year, yeah. but I'll I mean, he'll pick he got up. the winning RBI. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying though, but like overall, he started out slow. But, but it's, o- it's okay. It's, we're not in the SEC play yet. I mean, no. that's the whole There's reason you. To worry. It's nothing to worry with right yeah. now, really. He's just slumping to start the year. It happens as baseball, man. So yeah. I'm excited. The one sport right now in major sports that we're really, really good at at Arkansas is baseball. We were one out away from winning a national championship. That hurts to say. Yeah. But it's okay. Hey, we were – I hate I hate it so bad. It's a participation trophy, but, man – fact that I can say Arkansas Razorback competed for a national championship in a sport that's not named track, I'm excited. For sure. <laughs> the fact that we even got there is just amazing, but it's just the it last just, time it leaves a bad taste in your mouth whenever oh, you Oh yeah, that but that's happen. a good driving factor for these guys. I, some of them. Like a lot of those guys are gone. But you got these freshmen, you got Martin and Kerstad and Campbell, they all like Martin, were the there. Only ones that, the only ones that really played a part in it last year were were Jordan McFarland, Casey Martin, Dominic Fletcher, Heston Kerstad, Campbell. and slight, slightly Casey Opitz, and Isaiah Campbell. That's a quite a few, like, though. Yeah, but you lost a whole lot. You lost Cook. You like last year. You lost Grant Cook. You lost Jax Biggers. You lost Carson Shaddy. I think Jax Biggers and losing Jax Biggers and Carson Shaddy really hurt. But Casey Martin's a ridiculous shortstop. Oh, he is. Absolutely, he is. So. I'm not taking anything away from Casey Martin, but those guys that we lost were really, really good. But I've got to run. We'll sit here and talk forever. We will catch the Mavs either later this week. I mean, it's most of Mavs stuff is just we can talk about that. Most stuff we talk about all <laughs> off season. So this has been the House and Shambles podcast. I'm so glad he's not sitting next to me because I might have strangled him today. You've been <laughs> listening to the Re Sports Guys Network. He's the villain, David. I'm in. Check us out. Our Twitters are above our heads. Check us out. Add us on Twitter at House in Shambles. Peace out. Check the podcast. Three Sports Guys website. Check it out.